Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. Daniel chapter 3 and verse number 13. That's where we'll begin reading. I want to ask you if you would to stand as we read God's Word this morning. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready, next time, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the image which I have set up, everything will be fine. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, you megalomaniac king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Now, you don't sit down yet. I'm just going to say a quick word. They said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. What they really mean there, and if you go back and study all the way back to the original words that they spoke, what they said there was, King, there's no need to even answer you. There's no need to even talk to you because you're not even a part of this equation. You see, King, long before you were ever on the scene, before you were ever born, before you ever rose to power, King Nebuchadnezzar, our God had already instructed us thusly, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And King, we want you to know, the matter was settled when he told us that. We didn't even have to believe it. God said it, and that settled it. There will be no other gods before our God. So, we don't even have to talk to you about this. The decision has already been made before we got to this point. But if it be so, verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Then maybe the three most important words in the Bible they said, but if not. Everybody say those three words with me. But if not. One more time really loud. But if not. Ooh, sounded good. One more time really loud. But if not. Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Let's pray. Father, add your blessing to the reading of your word this morning. Help us to glean in the next few moments something that will encourage our souls and help us to get our thinking maybe turned around to another direction. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you can be seated. You know what I wish I could tell you today? I really do. I wish I could say to you and you and you and all of you, I wish I could say that you and I will never experience a day like these three Hebrew children experienced in their life. I wish I could say to you that it will never come to the place in the United States of America where we will stand persecution for our faith in Jesus Christ. I wish I could say that to you. The fact, though, is if I were to say to you that we will never suffer persecution for our faith in Jesus Christ, even to the point of death, if I were to say that to you, I would be making a mockery of every person who this very moment on this very day lives their life under the threat of persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ because it's happening right now all around the world. People are living under the constant threat even of death, if not imprisonment, for their faith in Jesus Christ. So I wish I could say to you that it will never happen here, but I can't promise you that. There are a lot of things that have happened in the United States of America that I thought would never happen. I'm a child of the 50s, and I never would have thought at the end of the decade of the 1950s that America would be a nation which by this date today would have slaughtered over 55 million babies inside their own mother's wombs. I never would have thought this would have been a nation where that was legal and accepted and constitutionally protected, but it is. So I'm not going to tell you that we won't be persecuted like these boys were persecuted for their faith. I'm not going to tell you that won't happen to you. And to me, it could happen. It could happen. Let me tell you something that bugs me. It bothers me that so many of God's people seem to equate prosperity or having plenty or having much. It bothers me that so many of God's people equate prosperity with the fact that God is in charge. They got plenty of money in the bank, God's in charge. They got a good job, God's in charge. They have a nice home, God's in charge. Likewise, it bothers me that so many believers in Christ equate adversity in life with the fact that somehow God's not in charge. Somehow God is not completely in charge of everything that's out there and that they must not be in God's will because they don't have a lot. They're not living in a nice place. They don't have a good job. Maybe their body is not well. Things aren't going good. It bothers me that people equate prosperity with the fact that God's in charge, and they equate adversity with the exact opposite. Did you know trouble is one of your needs? Do you realize that if there were never a cloud in the sky, you would not even know what sunshine was? If there was never a storm that brewed on the horizon, you would never know what a day of peace was even like. 
Trouble is one of your needs. And if God's going to supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ, then one of the needs that's going to have to be supplied in your life is trouble. As I speak to you this morning, a lot of John Marks are going bad. A lot of Demases are forsaking the will of God and quitting. A lot of Lots are headed for the well-watered plains of Sodom and moving there. A lot of Abrahams are headed for Egypt and blaming the will of God for their lack of faith and their compromise in life. I have come to deliver a message to you today and I want you to hear me well. Folks, you want to ask the question, who's in charge? God is in charge whether it meets with your appraisal or your approval or not. I said God is in charge whether the circumstances of your life meet your approval or your appraisal or not. God is in charge of everything. The most carnal thought you and I can think today is to think that somehow God is in charge when things are going good by our estimation and God is not in charge when things are going bad by our estimation. God is in charge whether you're well or sick. God is in charge whether you're full or hungry. God is in charge whether you are employed or unemployed. God is in charge whether you're living at ease or whether you're having trouble in your life right now. God is always in charge. God was in charge when Saul met Christ on the road to Damascus. But God was in charge when the then Apostle Paul met the guillotine against his neck and his head was chopped off. God was in charge. God was in charge when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were saved to the glorious explosion of the church. But God was in charge when Peter was crucified upside down, not wanting to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. God was in charge. God was in charge in Atlanta, Georgia one day when the Steels were setting up for a concert and we got the call that little Claire had developed a cyst in her chest and the doctors were going to have to remove it and check it out and see what it was all about. We were that day setting up equipment. We got that call and grandma and grandpa fell to pieces. We began to cry. We couldn't even operate, didn't know what we were doing. And a young man that was singing and playing with us at the time named Andrew Ishi said, wait a minute, guys, hold it. We need to pray right now. And he began to pray for peace in our lives and peace in our hearts and peace in Claire's physical situation and suddenly the peace of God did come and we were able to go through that concert and play that night and sing that night and minister to a full house of people that night. God was in charge when we got the bad news. God was in charge when the prayer came and God was in charge as people were ministered to that night and God was in charge when just a few short weeks later that surgery was performed and the news came back that all the results were good. It was benign. Nothing to worry about. Listen, that's a range of emotions to go through, but I'm telling you, God was in charge through every single bit of it. 
Mamas and daddies and grandmas and grandpas scared to death, but God was in charge. God was in charge when Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. God was in charge when his only begotten son was rejected by his hometown, by the people of his own home synagogue, and they made it illegal for him to preach and minister there. God was in charge when Pilate stood over the pronouncement of the cat of nine tails, that horrible instrument of torture would be placed across the back of Jesus 39 times because 40 would kill a man. 39 times that horrible whip went across his back and God was in charge. God was in charge when Jesus was wrapped in grave clothes and buried in Joseph of Arimathea's borrowed tomb. But listen to me today. God was in charge on the morning of the third day when triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. Jesus Christ walked out of the grave. The stone rolled away, and he's alive forevermore. And God is still in charge. God's in charge of everything. He's in charge in the sunshine, he's in charge in the shadow. He's in charge at noon, he's in charge at midnight. God is always in charge. And oh, it bothers me when I hear Christians saying, well, I got a good job, God's in charge. All the bills are paid, God's in charge. Why, it's a clear, sunshiny day, let's go to the lake. Oh, God is in charge. But then the clouds come and God's not in charge anymore. The job's lost and God's not in charge anymore. You get sick and you're not well anymore and God's not in charge anymore. Listen to me today. God is in charge. It doesn't matter what's going on by your estimation in this world. God is always in charge. That's our problem today. We want a crown, but we don't want a cross. We want a victory, but we don't want a battle. We want a resurrection, but we don't want to experience death. We want a cure, but we don't want an illness. We want a rainbow without a storm. We want deliverance. We want no bondage. We want an empty tomb, but we don't want a Calvary. We want to be quenched, but we don't want to be thirsty. We want a promised land without a wilderness. We want a calm sea, but we don't want any storm before it. We want a sunrise with no darkness. We want a revelation without having to go to an Isle of Patmos, which was the modern-day insane asylum in that time. We don't want to go there. We just want the re revelation. We want a solution. We just don't want a problem. We want perseverance. We just don't want hardship. We want an upper room, but we don't want a Gethsemane. We don't want to weep until our sweat drops turn to blood. We just want to go straight to the upper room, have a fresh breeze blow through, and everything be all right. But listen, folks, life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of struggles and good times. And through the struggles and through the good times, through everything we go through in life, God is still in charge of everything. He knows the end from the beginning, and God is always in charge. But here's us. There's some of you sitting here right now, and I've talked to you, and I wouldn't tell your story to save my own life. But some of you know. Don't raise your hand saying, oh, I remember it was me preaching. No, don't do that. Because I'm not going to tell it. If you don't, it won't get told. But folks, some of you have been through some stuff. 
in your life. The death of a loved one, a father or a mother. The serious illness of a child. Rough times, and you've been there. You've been in those difficult times, and you're sitting here today, and you're saying, I don't know how I made it through, because I never saw Jesus in my storm. I was walking through a storm, but I never saw Jesus. I was going through the tough times, but I never saw Jesus. Oh, you'd been happy if you'd have seen him, wouldn't you? Yet here you are all these months and years later. You're wondering how you made it. You didn't feel like you were that spiritual. Wonder how I made it. But I know it's by myself because I never saw Jesus. Stephen, I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Come up here just a minute. As fast as you can. We're on a time clock here. As far as I'm concerned, this is one of the finest young men I know. I mean, he does a great job for us here at Redeeming Grace. He helps with the kids. Does the announcements. Oh, what a job you do with those announcements. I didn't see Jesus when I said that. One of the finest young men. But listen, there have been some times, now I'm not going to tell any of your stories, so don't you either. There have been some tough times now. Me and you sat in that office when you were growing up, there were some tough times. Some tough times. And I know you didn't see him. Come here, Brad. Bring, bring that muncher boy with you over there, too. Let me get another one here. Um, who else there? Mark, you come up here. That'd be a good He'll kind of bounce. He's the only Mark I know, so come on. Now, Stephen, I want you to come stand right over here and look that direction right there. Well, that's good. I don't even have to tell y'all what to do. Y'all know what to do. That's good. I don't know how I made it. Went through the storm, never saw Jesus anywhere. Brad, you be the wind. Mark, you be the waves. I don't know what Jonah be good to be. Let him be. Let Jonah be the thunder. Wind, waves, thunder. Now, here's what I want y'all to do. Now, don't actually injure the boy. This is an illustration. But I want y'all to get your arms up. You're the enemy. Whatever the enemy is, the wind, the waves, and the storm, whatever the enemy is, I want you to come, come after him. You see, do you see Jesus anywhere? You see that the wind, the waves, the thunder is coming on. You see Jesus anywhere? You wonder. You wonder how in the world you, you made it. I'm thinking of a couple of things in particular. You wonder how you made it because the wind and the waves and the and the thunder they're really coming against you. Come, come against him. I'm gonna show you how he made it. He can't see Jesus, but when he's just about to fall. Jesus came around behind him and braced him against the wind and the waves and the thunder. And you can't see him, but he's here. He's holding you up. He's buffeting you against the storms, which are coming against you. He's pushing, but you're not going down. Here come some more waves. Come on, push him. He's not going anywhere. Because just like Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fire 
And he said, I see four men, not three, walking around in the fire, loose, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth looks like the Son of God. Behind you in the storm. You can't see him, but you're wondering how come you're not going down. Go ahead and attack him, boy. You wonder why you're not going down. Because Jesus, where you can't see him, Stronger than the wind, the waves, and the thunder, and stronger than you is holding you up from behind. And he's still in charge. Wind, waves, thunder. He's still in charge. You boys go sit down. Sickness or health, sunshine or storm, Anybody wondering who's in charge this morning? He's in charge. Even if he's behind you. Holding you up. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. These boys said, Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. But, If he doesn't, we're going to do right anyway. If he doesn't, we're going to serve God anyway. If he doesn't, we will not bow. You know what, King Nebuchadnezzar? Can't speak for everybody, but for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, let me just say, we'd rather die than sin. We'd rather die than to do wrong. We'd rather die than to even for one moment turn our backs on God. Somebody here today has been tempted to quit because you've become convinced that because things aren't going the way you think they ought to go, you don't have as much as you think you ought to have. You're not living in the kind of place you think you ought to live. You're not working in the kind of place you think you ought to work. You've allowed yourself to become convinced that God's not in charge, but he is in charge. Never for one second has he ever stopped being in charge. Never for one second has he ever not been looking at you and your circumstance. Why? He's in charge. He is in charge. Let me add this. If there's ever been one second when God was not in complete control of everything, then he's never been in control of anything. If there's ever been a second when he wasn't in charge, then he's never been in charge. I submit to you he's always been in charge. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steele's minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.